the Matthew 2, 1 to 16. 974, page 974. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me the word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, and in all the regions who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Great. Well, do keep that um, passage open in front of you. Uh, we're just going to be spending a little bit of time thinking about it. Um, some hard things in there, some weird things in there, uh, but hopefully some things that will um, thrill our hearts as we look at them and think about them together. <clears throat> Let me just pray as we, as we get started. Father, thank you for this... <clears throat> chance to celebrate the birth of your son. Uh, Please help us as we look at this story to uh, see more about you, to see more about your uh, plan for your world uh, and more of what you've done for us at Christmas. And we pray that for your glory. Amen. Amen. Finding torches (laughs) lying around just in case. Um, How do you know Christmas is coming. How do you know Christmas is coming? Uh, you look around, you see uh, decorations in the shops, you see the ice rink going up in Canary Wharf, uh, you see the knights drawing in, and that just proves it's October. Uh, you know Christmas is coming because you see familiar things. Uh, you have mulled wine and mince pies, uh, you gather, you sing carols, you hear maybe familiar readings. It's the familiar. That's what lets you know that Christmas is on its way. But have you ever stopped to notice that some of the things that we're familiar with are actually pretty weird? 
Um, so imagine going to, I don't know, a business lunch or um, a dinner party and everyone um, pulling crackers and putting hats, paper hats on their heads or, um, I don't know, like we do at New Year, um, standing in a circle, holding hands and singing Old Lang Syne. Imagine that at any other moment in your year. It would just be weird. But somehow, because it's Christmas, uh, we've got this special category in our mind. Uh, familiar but weird. I, it's, it's Christmas. I can just put it in this sort of special category in my mind that says that's okay. It's okay to be weird. Well, uh, familiar, this passage in front of us, yeah, it's familiar, isn't it? We know it from nativity scenes. Uh, we know it from TV, maybe. Uh, it's familiar. But when you stop and think about it, it's actually, it's pretty weird. <laughs> it's pretty weird. You get these... Um, Wise men who don't look very wise, uh, they dabble in a bit of astrology, uh, they travel hundreds of miles on the basis of it, they end up in the wrong city, uh, they bring some pretty um, age-inappropriate gifts with them. It's familiar, but is it weird? Is it weird? <clears throat> or maybe we should stop and think again, this was the moment after all that um, reset the calendar for Western civilization uh, back to the year zero. Uh, what is it about this man Jesus as he comes as a baby uh, and grows to the man that lives and dies? What is it about him uh, that has attracted so many people throughout the years and has made so many people ready to, to live for him and make him um, their Lord and their Saviour? Perhaps the most uh, stupid, weird-looking thing you can find in the passage, I don't know what it was for you, I think it's this idea that they come to worship, to worship Jesus. Did you see it in verse 2 there, little number 2? Um, it says, they say, the wise men say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. It's the same in verse 11. Uh, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Worship, it's a word um, borrowed from uh, the courtroom of a great king. Uh, it's the word used when people were going in, I don't know, off the set of 300 or something, if you've seen it, uh, going in, seeing this almost God-King deified uh, and coming in and just kissing his feet uh, and kissing the hem of his garment, saying that this is the one that they want to uh, completely serve, uh, completely trust, uh, obey whatever this king says, we will do it. Uh, we'll side with him because we think his kingdom's going to win. And here are some not very wise-looking men uh, kneeling on the floor of a dirty poverty hole in the middle of a provincial backwater, nowhere near the palace in Jerusalem, uh, nowhere near the seat of real power in Rome at the time. Familiar, but weird. What are they doing? Why are they doing it? Actually, what they're doing is um, clinging to Old Testament promises. 
promises that were made um, before Jesus came, hundreds of years before. We heard one of them from Isaiah earlier on. Promises that um, the Jews, when they were exiled from their land, took east. uh, And somehow these wise men uh, have heard about it. That one day a king would come who would be worthy of worship. Who'd be the one that um, everyone should serve and everyone could trust. Who's going to work to bring in uh, a new world. You can see it there in (laughs) verse 6 in the kind of um, indented section. Some words from uh, Micah the prophet hundreds of years before. In Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you'll be no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you will come a ruler, uh, one who will be worthy of worship, who will be shepherd, my people Israel. Like sheep trusting a shepherd, uh, Israel and the nations should come to this king. That's what the Old Testament uh, said, and it's what... Uh, the wise men thought they were doing when they came to him. <clears throat> uh, maybe you look at people uh, in the world today around you who give or say they give this kind of allegiance to, to Jesus, and you think, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit strong, isn't it? Uh, we're a bit more, uh, I don't know how you'd say it, we're a bit more... Uh, careful. We're a bit less extreme. Uh, We like to keep our options open. Yeah, some of these Christians I know, they seem uh, oddly contented with life. Uh, Quite nice, I suppose. But how foolish to say that they would um, worship Jesus. Uh, But the story takes a little twist when you dig a little deeper and you realise that actually there's not just one set of worshippers. Uh, There's actually two sets of worshippers in this story. You see, Herod uh, is a worshipper too. Uh, In verse 8, he says uh, to the wise men, Go and search diligently for for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word that I too may worship him. Uh, Herod puts on his best religious act, and pretends like he wants to go with them to worship. But that's not what he worships, is it? Uh, Herod worships something else. Herod worships uh, power uh, and prestige and honour and the luxury that comes with being king. That's what Herod worships. And he so worships it, he must hold on to it, uh, whatever it takes. He's even willing to... Uh, sin against his own standards of morality. I presume it wasn't a normal thing for him uh, to sanction the slaughter of, uh, they reckon, um, 20 boys under the age of two in Bethlehem in the nearby area. But he so worshipped power and prestige and being king that he was desperate to hold on to it and do anything. Remember, worship means devoting yourself to something saying, that's the thing that I will obey no matter what. That's the thing I will trust to bring me good and blessing. And that's what Herod did with power and being king. I'll obey it. I'll obey the Machiavellian rules of politics, and I'll get my hands dirty. 
if there really is another claim to be king out there, I'll uh, cut it off at source. I'll obey it and I'll, I'll trust it. Power, being king, that's the thing that's really going to bless me and really going to help me. So I'll do whatever it takes to get it. Uh, nice guys finished last. Maybe he was thinking to himself, I'll be far happier, more fulfilled uh, if only I can get rid of Jesus. <clears throat> and when you start talking about worship in those terms, uh, doesn't it sound a little bit more up to date and a little less religious? Doesn't it sound a lot more familiar? Um, the wharf is littered with worshippers. Uh, the Barclays manager who so worshipped money that he ignored the money laundering rules um, and ignored the, fun, the terrorism that it could well have been funding uh, just for the 50 million transaction fee. Uh, money and promotion. He bent, ignored his own standards of morality uh, so he could worship. <clears throat> the husband who uh, worships sex, uh, he obeys it. He follows its orders into uh, pornography or prostitution or Ashley Madison. Uh, he turns to it to bless him and he obeys its dictates. Instead of loving his wife, he ignores his own normal standards of morality because of what he worships. Maybe we, uh, we look down on someone like that. But how near to home does this idea of worship get? Do we so worship popularity and promotion uh, that we're ready to bitch about colleagues or be harsh to our juniors? Uh, are we so worshipping comfort and slobbing out that we won't stop looking at our smartphone long enough uh, to actually notice that our partner needs some help? Uh, so worshipping holiday hedonism uh, that we're too busy to go and see that friend that really needs our time. Ignoring our uh, own standards of morality uh, because of what we worship. <clears throat> see, it's not, that they're, it's not that the wise men are worshippers and we're not. It's just the wise men are making a choice about what to worship, just like us. And we've got to work out what the right choice is. You notice, um, so often what you, what you worship lets you down. Uh, so the, uh, the Danish HSBC executive um, who hung himself uh, in the wardrobe of his £500 a night um, hotel room because he lost his job uh, in the middle of the financial recession. Uh, the girl I know who lives in uh, the place recently voted the happiest town in, uh, happiest town in England. Uh, parents are, are lovely and have great jobs and provide for her financially. Uh, she got a first from Cambridge. And yet, uh, she's driven into depression and eating disorders, all because of what she worships. Uh, because uh, image and body image and popularity just aren't delivering like they said they would. Uh, Alexis de Tocqueville observed in America uh, this. He said, a strange melancholy... Uh, that haunts its inhabitants uh, in the midst of its abundance. Why is it in uh, the midst of a place uh, with so much money and so much wealth, so many 
of the things that we say as a society bring you happiness, do we end up with this haunting, strange melancholy? Uh, you get the promotion you dream of, but they sit, uh, they sit you down and explain it's going to take three more years of even harder work for you to make it to the next grade when you come into work the next week. Uh, my friend um, uh, Paddy, he's, um, he's sort of a pretty hard-nosed atheist, and he says he doesn't deny the existence of this strange melancholy and that life isn't satisfying. He just says, look, that's what we as a species need to make sure we keep thriving and get to reproduction. We need that sense that it's not quite right, and that's what's going to keep us driving on. Is that, is that really the morality that we live by? Do we really believe we're just a bundle of chemical accidents? Uh, can we live with the melancholy that view produces? And under that view, why not just bend your own personal morality when it allows you to thrive to reproduction? What we worship can leave us broken. But worse, as we turn to worship something, we turn from worshipping something else. Herod turned uh, to worship money and power, but he turned from uh, worshipping the one who actually deserved his worship, Jesus. He didn't worship Jesus, he hated him, and he wanted to destroy him. That's what it said. (laughs) He became furious, and he sent and killed. Verse 13, uh, Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Herod wanted him gone. Uh, Jesus, all of God, funneled down into this human person uh, who alone deserves worship, uh, who alone stands for love and truth and justice, who never um, sinned against his own or the world's or God's stand of morality. And yet Herod wanted him gone so that he could be in charge himself, so he could set his own standards. Not on the same scale, but if we're all worshippers, What are we saying about Jesus? Do we really want him and his standards over our lives? Or would you rather he was sidelined, out of the way, uh, or even destroyed? How does God respond? How does God respond to Herod? Oh, it's just a throwaway line, isn't it? Uh, Verse 15, they remain there until the death of Herod. Uh, Herod tried to destroy Jesus. What happened to Herod? Herod was destroyed. He died. How does God respond to people that uh, don't see that he's worthy of worship, who, don't, uh, who turn to something else? Oh, he says uh, in his word, God destroys those who seek to destroy him. And what he stands for now and into eternity And yet the great good news of Christmas, the reason that people celebrate, uh, is that God came in the person of Jesus not to destroy, uh, but to be destroyed. He didn't come to destroy, but to be destroyed. So those words that the wise men say at the start, um, we've come, where is the one born king of the Jews? King of the Jews is a phrase that Matthew deliberately puts 
records at the beginning of his story because he puts it deliberately at the end of his story as well. The next time you see that phrase, King of the Jews, uh, it's on the lips of some worshippers. Uh, it's on the lips of the soldiers uh, who, when they're about to kill Jesus, uh, march him into a square, and they all surround him, and they put a crown on his head. It's just a crown of thorns. Uh, and they put a, a, a fake purple robe around him, and they kneel down in front of him and go, Hail, King of the Jews! And then they put a sign over him on the cross that says, King of the Jews, as he dies on the cross. See, the message of Christianity is that Jesus lets himself be destroyed for people that have failed to worship him so that they don't have to be destroyed. You can go to um, Washington, D.C. and to the Potomac River, and you can see uh, the Arlen D. Williams Jr. Memorial Bridge. Uh, and it remembers the, uh, the actions of a man called Arlen Williams um, on the night that Air Florida Flight 90 crashed into the icy Potomac River um, around about Christmas time. Uh, it was a disaster. Many people lost their lives, and the helicopter circled the river looking for survivors, and it dropped the rope, uh, and Arlen Williams grabbed the rope, uh, and he looked to his side, and he saw another survivor, and he passed the rope on. Uh, the rope uh, dropped again, Arlen Williams grabbed the rope again, and again he passed it on and made sure someone else get to safe, got to safety. Uh, the third time, uh, the rope came down, uh, and Arlen Williams was gone. Arlen Williams was destroyed, uh, he died, uh, so that somebody else could, wouldn't be. Uh, and that's, that's what the Bible says uh, happened uh, as Jesus died on the cross. He was destroyed uh, so others wouldn't have to be. It was a substitution, a swap. How should we respond? Well, Matthew puts this story of the wise men in because he wants us to get that they were truly wise. When they heard that Jesus was coming, they were exceedingly joyful, with full of joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, because they knew that this was the one that they should worship and could worship, the one who uh, could prove that he was worthy of that kind of trust and obedience because of what he did with that, with his power. He laid it aside to serve other people. They rejoiced exceedingly and they fell down to worship him. And they opened up their treasures to him and laid them down in front of him. Uh, that's what um, this story is uh, calling us to today. <clears throat> Saying if we see Jesus as he really is, uh, we'd want to be like the wise men too. Uh, I realise lots of what we've um, said tonight might be you know, very new, uh, stuff you've never heard before. Um, so one of the things we do here at the Barge is we run a course called um, Christianity Explored that gives people a chance to um, weigh up these claims, have a bit of comeback, don't just leave me standing at the front spouting off. Um, uh, you guys get to ask the tough questions. Um, so do um, sign up for that course um, if you'd like to come along. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're going to um, stand and sing our next um, carol together.
But as we do, let me just close with a prayer. <clears throat> Father, thank you that you sent your son to be uh, uh, destroyed so we wouldn't have to be. Thank you that you call us into a life of uh, worship to something that doesn't uh, fail us. Uh, please help us see uh, the wonder of Jesus this Christmas. <coughs> And we pray that for your glory. Amen.